All right. We don't believe or have faith in a fairy tale or even just a legend that Jesus was resurrected. Um, we don't even believe it just because it's accurately and historically recorded in the book we call the Bible. Though we do have faith in the Bible, but our faith is in the event of the resurrection of the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And this event is the event that split time in two, and it stands at the center, as the centerpiece of all human history. And so there is so much indisputable evidence that this actually happened and though I've spent other Easter messages talking about that, I'm not going to focus on that today. We might drop a few of those uh, truths as we go, but we're going to talk today, primarily, I want to talk to two people, and that, those are the people that you feel like you're disappointing to God, and the others of you, you feel like you're trapped in doubt. You just struggle with doubt. And though I've never in my whole life, not that I'm that old, <laughs> I've never heard an Easter message on doubting Thomas, you're going to hear one today. It's just what I had on my heart. But before we talk about Peter and Thomas, two guys that had real struggles, I know the struggle is real, but so is the God that can help you through your struggle, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, we want you to... Before you leave today, see the obvious. And speaking of that, um, have you heard the, I'm sure you've heard of the apocryphal stories of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. One of them was that they decided to go on a little guy's camping trip, you know, and they partook of too much liquid nourishment, if you know what I mean, and they passed out in the tent. And I don't know, at some point in the middle of the night, Sherlock Holmes wakes up and he elbows Watson and he says, Watson, wake up. What do you see? He rubs his eyes and he says, I see millions of stars. He says, Watson, what do you deduce from seeing all of these stars? And he said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are probably millions of solar systems and potentially billions of planets. And then... Um, Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Therefore, it's about 3.15 a.m. in the morning. Meteorologically, it tells me it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, it tells me that we play just a small part in a greater whole. Why, Holmes? What does it tell you? He said, someone's stolen our tent. <laughs> okay. I know that's probably funnier to me than you, but, <laughs> but my point is I hope today that, that you also see the obvious, right? Like uh, one of the band members coming off the stage, we, we shared jokes with each other, and he said, did you hear about the, the, the woman she called her husband? She says, honey, I know you're on your way home on, on the highway. Be careful. There's some nut job driving the wrong way on the interstate, to which he replied, actually, there's hundreds of them. So if you're going the wrong way today, we want you to know that well, you're in the right place. God and his great love and sovereignty made sure that you were here today. And we're so glad that you accepted someone's invitation or that you just decided to, to show up here at Harvest Church. Where there are no perfect people allowed, except for Jesus, he let us all in the door today. 
So I want to talk to you today about the disappointing one. You probably are familiar with the disciple Peter. He had a, a disease, a foot and mouth disease. He was also often putting his foot in his mouth, saying things that maybe he shouldn't have said. And he was brash and bold. And the word disappointing means this. It means failing to fulfill hopes and expectations. And if, today, if you feel like you have failed to meet God's expectations, you're the one that I came to talk to today. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to summarize verses 31 through 35, and then we're going to pick up in verse, around verse 74. It's a long chapter, obviously. And we know the story where the disciples are hanging out with Jesus, and he says, you know, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to deny me, and to which Peter responds, he goes, not me. Everybody else might deny you, Lord, but not me. Even if I have to die for you, man, I'm not going to deny you. And so Jesus turns to him and he goes, Pete, man, sorry, I hate to break it to you, but before the rooster crows in the morning three times, you're going to deny me three times. And so we know that as the story progresses, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweats, as it were, great drops of blood, and which represents him taking on the most agonizing stress so that you don't have to live a life of agonizing stress. But he says, if this cup can pass from before me, Lord, but if not, not my will, but your will be done. And where he laid down his will, he decided that he would, in fact, become the Passover lamb for you and for me. They came and they took him away as he was betrayed by the kiss of a friend. And as Peter followed at a distance, John had some connections and led him in the court where he watched the whole trial and proceedings and where a little girl said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? He said, no. And then another little girl said, hey, aren't you, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he said, heck no. And then the third time somebody said, okay, your accent betrays you. You must be a Galilean who followed Jesus. And then the Bible says that he cursed and cussed and said Things that, in Hebrew, that I can't repeat here. Oh, really, I can't. I don't know any Hebrew. But he cursed and he cussed. And he says, I don't even know the man. And about that time, the rooster crowed. And the Bible says here in verse 75, that then, G then Peter remembered the words of Jesus before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times. And the Bible says, notice these words. So he went out. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever just wept or cussed or kicked something because you were just so mad at yourself, so disappointed? You're like, can I be so stupid? Have you ever called yourself an idiot? Don't raise your hand. I have. And Peter was so disappointed because he knew in that moment he was, in fact, disappointing. But then here's a verse that, in this context, will totally bless your socks off. It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Mark 16. If you'll turn there, and then we'll put it on the screen. But it says, now when the Sabbath was passed. So you have to realize that as far as they knew... The story was over. Jesus had meant so much to them, but now he was gone. The religious and political leaders 
had turned against him because he was just so powerful and they couldn't control him and he was a threat to them. So they arranged to have him crucified and they did. And he was no longer a problem for them because, well, dead people seldom are. And so you here we see these ladies, and by the way, they came, you know, well, we worship on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. And it says, after the Sabbath had passed. And another reason I believe in the resurrection is because we worship on Sunday. And I'll tell you what that means. Because these Jews for thousands of years worshiped on Saturday or the Sabbath. And now you have these Orthodox Jews who so passionately and ardently believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They changed their day of worship to the same day that he was raised from the dead. So here we see in Mark chapter 16... When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, they brought spices, these the original Spice Girls right here, <laughs> that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning, early Sunday morning. You got to say that every Easter. <laughs> early Sunday morning, he got up. But they didn't know this yet. Early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said amongst themselves, who is going to roll away the stone? Because the stone is very large, it's huge, and we don't know how. What we see from this is they were not expecting to encounter what they encountered when they came to the grave. They thought Jesus was just dead and gone, dead and buried. So, they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for, for us? In verse 4, when they looked up, they saw the stone had already been rolled away. And it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. I think it was too late. One translation says... Do not be amazed. But it says they were amazed. And he said, don't be amazed. It was too late. He said, you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And then these next three words change everything. And here's what I want you to know today. If you need a change, these three words can change everything for you too. Even if you feel that you are disappointing or that you are disappointed. Here's those three words. He is risen. Everybody say, he's risen indeed. He is risen. He is not here. It's like the little girl who was in the Easter play. She was the angel. This was her line. He is not here. He is risen. And she did great in the dress rehearsal. But when it came time for the actual performance, she got nervous and she said, he ain't here. He done left out. <laughs> Which is theologically accurate. So the angel said, see the place where they laid him? Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. I love this, and I love Jesus so much because I've, we've all been in his shoes, in his sandals before where we felt like we were disappointing to him or we had disappointed him or we were just ourselves. I'm just disappointed with this whole thing. This is not how I thought it was supposed to go or going to go. And Jesus said, go. To, Jesus made an extra effort to convey to his friend, 
Peter that, okay, dude, I know you feel like you're a disappointment, but I bore that on the cross too. And when I got up on the early Sunday morning, I left all that disappointment in the grave. In fact, I left it deeper than that. I left it in hell itself. So if you have been a disappointment, Jesus dealt with that. He bore that. If you are disappointed, he's handled that as well. Because I'm telling you, once you encounter the resurrected Christ, all your disappointment just lifts away. You cannot stay disappointed in God when you know that he's been raised from the dead. And you cannot stay a disappointment to God because you're not. That's not how he feels. Tell my disciples and Peter, I'm not disappointed. I love Peter. And so just as he was not disappointed in Peter, he's not disappointed in you either. Yeah, pastor, but you don't know what I did. And I always say, I'm perfectly content to keep it that way if you are. I don't need to know. But I do know this. He loves you. God so loved the world, and he's not disappointed in you. In fact, I think he knew we were going to mess up. That's kind of why he sent Jesus. So maybe I hope today that you will let your disappointment roll over onto him. Because he paid, he paid it all. Or today, if you are struggling with doubt, I want to talk to you as well. We all know about the disciple who's been dubbed Doubting Thomas. Let's be honest. We've all struggled with doubts. And Jesus is highly interested in reaching the doubter today. He's not intimidated by your doubt. He's not angry that you doubt. He's not disappointed that you have doubts. In fact, he's willing to provide for you the evidence that you need to, over, to come out of your doubt. I mean, if you had the proper evidence, would you believe? Would you, would you leave your doubt behind? Of course. Let me say it this way. Not only is he willing to provide you the evidence that you need, I want to give you this parenthetical statement. He's willing to give you the evidence you need, not the evidence that you think you need, but the evidence that you actually need to come out of your doubt, to win the bout with doubt. So let's turn to another verse, the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, and it says in verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now, by the way, another reason we believe in the resurrection is because the first people to ever declare it were women. And you don't talk back to mama. But seriously, in that day, women, their word would not hold up in court. So if you were trying to pull off a hoax and trick everybody because you stole the body and you were trying to convince everybody that he was raised from the dead, you would find a credible witness. You would not have women do it in that day and time. Not that women aren't great communicators. We know better than that. But because of their station in society at that time. So that is evidence that this was not a hoax, but it actually happened. Okay, just a little side thought there. Then verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, 
And the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. These were afraid, cowering men locked behind closed doors for fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, What's up? First thing he said was, Peace be with you. Because how many of somebody walks through the walls, kind of like, Dude, and you're already afraid? And he said, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed his disciples his hands that were pierced, his side. Then the disciples were glad. Everybody say, Then. After he showed them his hands and his side, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Before that, they were just scared. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. We don't know where he was. He was making a red box run or a pizza run. We don't know. But he wasn't there when this happened. The other disciples therefore said to them, can you imagine what they said to him? Thomas, oh, you dude, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Sorry, doubting Thomas. We saw Jesus. He like walked in. We had the, the doors locked, the windows, the gates and doors were barred. All the windows were fastened down. And then Jesus, he walked through the wall and he showed us his hands. He showed us his side. And he's like, uh, come on, fellas. You've been locked in here for a while, maybe. No, that's not what happened. Actually, this is what happened. They said, we saw the Lord. And so he said, unless I see, unless I See, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, y'all got to see, to see Jesus. Y'all got to put your finger in the nail scars in the Lord's hands. I want the same privilege. If I'm going to be a disciple like you're a disciple, if I'm a witness, I need to see and hear and handle what you have seen, heard, and handled. So I want my turn. I can just see Thomas like, all right, Jesus, they say you're walking around that you're not dead anymore. If you're listening, I want my go. I want to see you. I want to touch you. I want to hear you. It was almost like a prayer. It was almost like a bold faith. And some of you that struggle with doubt, I pray. How about this? I double dog dare you to have the same attitude. Jesus Give me the evidence and proof that I need to know that you are the resurrected Christ. Say, well, isn't that blasphemy? No. He is not in the least bit intimidated by your doubt, your unbelief, by your fear, by you feeling disappointing to him or your sin. He's not intimidated by any of that. Did you know that you can ask God questions? Because, I mean, he's got all the answers. It's not like you're going to ask him something. He's going to be like, ooh, uh, Jesus Christ, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, now you might not like the answer, but he's not intimidated by your questions or your doubt. And Thomas said, hey, I, I want to see. Y'all got to see. Y'all got to touch and handle him and hear him and see him. I want my shot at this. So if you're here today and you struggle with doubt, I pray that you make that your prayer. I want my shot at this, Jesus. Make yourself real to me. 
So this is what happened. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. They had sent somebody else on the pizza run. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. <laughs> then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. He acknowledged that he was, in fact, not just a man, but he was God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed, that means empowered to excel and prosper, are those who have not seen and yet believe. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written here in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Believing that you may have life in his name. In that believing, you may have life in his name. Everybody say it with me. Life in his name. How does life come? Life comes in his name. Say it with me one more time. Life in his name. That believing you may have life in his name. Jesus came to Thomas while he was in his doubt. And he rescued Thomas from eternally being known as doubting Thomas. He didn't do for Thomas anything he didn't do for the other disciples. If you think about it. And he's willing to do for you what you need to put your doubt aside so that believing you may have life in his name. Thomas became such an ardent, passionate witness for Christ that he traversed to the pagan nation of India where he so powerfully preached the gospel and worked signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. That to this day, thousands of years later, there is a monument that they erected, that the Hindus erected. The Hindu priests, they were like, man, shut up. Quit, quit preaching this, this new religion. And, and he wouldn't. How many know another reason we believe in the resurrection is because these scared, cowering men that were locked behind closed doors, they came out of the closet, baby, and they were like, we are declaring this boldly and proudly, even unto the death. How many of you don't put your life on the line for, for, for a hoax or for something you're not sure about? They didn't believe in the resurrection. They knew it. Why? Because they handled him. They heard him. They saw him. They touched him. They talked to him after he had defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Thomas was such a passionate witness that he went to India. He worked miracles. And finally, the Hindu priests, they took spears and they speared him to death. And to this day, there's a monument to St. Thomas. Not doubting Thomas. St. Thomas, that monument is called Monument of the Martyr or Monument of the Passionate Witness. In other words, these Hindus are saying, I don't know if I believe what he was saying or not, but he sure believed it. And I could take you there to Kerala, India today and show you this monument to Thomas's man. He overcame his doubt. 
My prayer is that you will so overcome your doubt that you will be a bold witness for Christ everywhere you go, that in heaven one day there will be a monument to your faith because you were a bold witness. So if you struggle with doubt today, hey, we're not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you and here to let you know that if you're willing to pray the prayer, if you're willing to say, Lord, I'm struggling with doubt, but I want to believe, then he is here to answer that prayer today. I believe it with all my heart. As we close today, I want to read one more passage to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is, in my opinion, the most, one of the most important chapters in all of the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. And by the way, another reason we believe in the resurrection is because Saul of Tarsus was converted, and we call him now the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus was such a persecutor of the church. He was so aggressive in attacking the church that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, knocked him off his donkey, and said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. How many know Jesus will knock you off your donkey to get your attention if he has to? And all the other disciples, they believed in the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then, but not, not Paul. He believed in the resurrection and the death, the cross. He believed backwards because he encountered the resurrected Christ first. Boom. That's another reason we believe in the resurrection. Anyway, this, this verse is amazing. And it says in verse 3, this is the Apostle Paul talking, I delivered to you, first of all, in other words, the most important thing, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The reason it says according to the Scriptures is because there were so many prophetic Scriptures saying that Jesus would come that it was mathematically improbable and even impossible for any one man to fulfill all these prophecies. But Jesus fulfilled them all. Another reason we believe he is who he says he is. Math. Verse 5. And that Jesus was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren all at one time. And he said, at this, the time of this writing, most of those 500 witnesses are still alive, even though some have fallen asleep. Well, how many know that there's one argument that says, well, some of the early believers on Jesus, they had um, illusions of the resurrected Christ, that he appeared to these isolated individuals, and that's not a credible witness. But, but how many know that, or, or they were smoking something, and so they had this you know, pipe dream that they saw Jesus. Well, how many know when Jesus, when 500 people all at the same time had the same pipe dream? That's a big pipe. <laughs> it would be easier for me to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead than they had a pipe that size. So Paul said he appeared to all these people, including a group of 500 people that are eyewitnesses. Verse 7, after that, he was seen by James. That's Jesus' brother, right? And then by all the apostles. Verse 8, then last of all, he was seen by me also. As one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I pray that his grace towards you today is not in vain either. He goes, so we preached this gospel and you believed. 
And that's my great hope today is that we've preached the gospel to you and that you would believe it. So, yeah, I have doubt. Can I just say that if we didn't have doubt, you wouldn't need faith. That's what faith is. And it's not just a blind faith. It's a faith based on evidence. Evidence that demands a verdict. At this time, here's how we're going to close the service. Would you take out that Easter survey that we had in the beginning of our service? And remember I asked you to write at the very bottom, A, B, C, or D. A, B, C, or D. On the very bottom of it. And if you need a survey and don't have one uh, or a pen, again, our ushers, they're amazing. They'll be happy to bring you one. Just raise your hand and they will scurry over and get that to you. We have plenty of both the survey and the pens. A, B, C, or D. Here's what this stands for. If you already are in a, relation, a r- real relationship with Jesus, I want you to circle A. But listen to me very carefully. I don't mean that you go to church every now and then. I don't mean that you prayed some prayer when you were a kid, but you still live like hell. I don't mean that you're, you know, you got religion one time, but you still live your way and not Yahweh. I mean a real relationship. So I'm I'm circling A today. I got a real relationship with Jesus. B is the one that I want to focus on for just a second. This means I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you did pray some prayer when you were a kid, but your life didn't change, but you're ready for a change. You're ready to make it real, not just your parents' religion, but I'm talking about a relationship. If that's you today, and you're ready to overcome your doubt, say, I still have doubts, Pastor, but I want to believe, we'll take that. Jesus can work with that. Circle B, I want a real relationship with Jesus. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Jesus paid it all. That's what B stands for. C means I'd like to consider it a bit more. And that's totally cool. And I am so glad you're here. I know I really am. In fact, we want you to keep coming, keep considering. In fact, come in the month of May where we're going to talk about God's plan. We want you to consider God's plan for your life. And let me just tell you, this sneak peek, God has one for you, and it's awesome. It's better than yours. So if you're considering, that's cool. We totally get that. We want to help you in any way that we can in your consideration. And then finally, D, I don't ever intend to make that decision. And if that's you, just, hey, do you, boo. And if that's really who you are, have the guts to circle D. No condemnation. Uh, but I will make you a challenge if you're up for it. And if you're not that, I get it. But uh, if, you'll, if that's who you are, you'll circle D and put your name on the card. I, I won't harass you, but I will pray for you. And then we'll meet back up next Easter and see what happens. Now, if you circled B, my Harvest Church family and I, we want to we pray with you. I'm going to lead you in the prayer of salvation, and we're all going to pray it together so that all of our B-circlers today, you're not going to feel alone or isolated. We want you to feel like you're a part of something because you are. You're not joining a church or getting religion. You're, you're entering into the kingdom of God, the family of God. So if you circle B, would you join us as we all pray this prayer of salvation today? Let's all say it together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, come on, out loud enough to hear yourself say it. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. And I believe Jesus died for my sin. And they buried him. But on the third day, 
You raised Jesus from the dead. And instead of my doubt, I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. And from this moment forward, I may not be perfect, but I'm perfectly yours. Save me right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you were just born again. Can we just celebrate right now with all of our B-circulars? Come on. Good job. We rejoice with you today. That's awesome. And we love you.